0: Welcome to The Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego investing, Lego reselling, entrepreneurship, and how people all around the world are using the thing that they love, Lego, to create an income and build a business. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The Brick Business Show, my favorite part of the week, where we get to talk to Lego investors, Lego business owners, Lego e-commerce owners, and people who are building a business doing this crazy thing that we all love. And uh, today I'm joined by Walter from Steen Bricks. And I'm so excited about this one because it's Lego investing related. And, you know, I try to take these conversations in all sorts of different directions about in the world of Lego business. We talk to BrickLink owners. We talk to people who have brick and mortar Lego stores. We talk to people who build websites related to Lego. But my personal favorite is talking to Lego investors because that, of course, is what I do, holding Lego sets while values go up. So, I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing fine. And you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So, um, you reached out to me on Instagram, firstly. And, you know, uh, we, I've, by the way, put out a feeler to anybody who wants to come and talk shop with me about Lego investing. And uh, and you message and you said you know let's do it let's talk shop and I checked out what you're doing and some of the stuff is is phenomenal there in terms of um, you know putting up return on investments and you know and analyzing the markets and different things like that um, so I'm excited to get into this and could you just get us started so we kind of get a little bit of context on uh, on who you are where you're from and different things uh, you're in the Netherlands is that right
1: that's right yeah great oh, so I think we're are.
0: gonna we're gonna be able to talk about you know some really interesting kind of Differences between the markets and different things because it's a it's a topic that comes up a lot in our community of, you know, Shane, you show us prices, you know, how how different is it in in Europe and different things. So I'm excited to jump into that. But can you share a little bit of your background and you know, um, so uh, you know, I guess how did Lego investing start for you? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, so uh, I'm out there live in the Netherlands. I'm uh, 30 years old. Um, I've been having side hustles since I could walk sort of, but uh, yeah, let's say since I was uh, around uh, 15, 16, done uh, a ton of things. Um, so uh, all, let's say just simple businesses like uh, a, a hustle on eBay, right? So that the Dutch eBay, that's called Marktplaats. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another and uh, I heard about uh, Lego investing. And uh, yeah, never looked back, sort
0: of. <laughs> yeah. And so what were you selling on eBay?
1: Yeah. So, uh, oh, man, where did I even start? So I, I started with picking up uh, free listed stuff. So uh, if somebody had uh, probably a big thing uh, like a couch or something, I had a big car, so I was able to fit that. And then uh, later on, uh, we just uh, put it on the exact same platform and uh, whatever remains uh, whatever i got for it was uh, was all profit then so that's awesome and wow. uh yeah then that was uh, all kinds of electronics so it was televisions uh, uh espresso uh coffee cups i don't know if you know that in the u.s as well i think so mm-hmm. and um yeah so i so when i finished my studies i think i was um, actually thinking of hey you know what i made I made some money here i could do i could put it in a stock or an sp500 uh, kind of thing and then uh, just never look back and uh, we'll see it when i retire or something or when i'm a uh, hundred years old but thought nah it's too, too boring so i split it up uh, in 50 50 whereas uh the, the one half i uh, put in i think a uh, bitcoin or something uh, like uh, 10 years ago or something and uh, the other half was uh Lego investing, and that's uh, that's uh, basically how I started there.
0: Wow! So you've been in Lego investing for how long? Ooh, that was a, around, let's say
1: five and a half, six years ago, or something.
0: Yeah. Great. In in our world, that's quite seasoned. That's uh, <laughs> it's quite experienced. It moves very fast. This uh, Lego yeah. investing market, and and you know, I see people, I see new faces popping up, uh, you know, and getting quick success i see other people who've been around for a long time and then winding it down after a certain period of time and it's just it yeah. changes quite a lot in terms of the landscape and the communities um yeah. so when you were so you mentioned that you studied you uh you were flipping while studying is that right you were kind of sell you were running an e-commerce business while studying for something else
1: yeah yeah so i uh, originally my study were in uh us called uh just to translate but let's call that uh, entrepreneurship. so uh, um, so that just the basics like uh, bookkeeping and that kind of stuff and marketing and uh, whatever you need for starting a business and um, yeah once I was done with that I wanted to uh, move into the uh, world of IT because there's a lot of opportunity there for just uh, uh, starting an own, uh, an own uh, business or an empire or whatever you want whatever you want to do right? So that's uh, that was always my main course, but uh, yeah, like Lego investing way more fun, and uh, now I'm actually thinking of uh, doing it full time as well in the next year. So,
0: way more fun indeed. And yeah. what is it about it, do you think, that makes it so much more fun? Because when you have an education in entrepreneurship, you know you're trained to to look at business opportunities and identify things that other people maybe can't see. Um, you know, you have the skill set to start a variety of different businesses in different interests that you may have or gaps in the market that you see. Yeah. Why did you gravitate toward Lego investing? Yeah. Good question. Hmm. So.
1: Mainly so, so purely from a, so, so, um, let me put it like this. So I had a side hustle on eBay, right? Like for 15 years, uh, and and counting uh, by the way. (laughs) So, uh, before I was doing Lego, I was, I think, doing uh, uh, TVs. So I had like uh, thirty or forty TVs in my in my living room uh, when I was a student, and I didn't have a living room, so it was all <laughs> it was tight. But um the sort of, the sort of main part for me from there to Lego was one you don't have to. It's 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 easier to buy a lot right so if you have an ebay also you have to find that one specific person that sells that one specific item for that specific price but what you can uh, probably vouch for as well right if amazon has the right uh, discount you just order hundreds or a thousand or however many you want to have and that's yeah. just so much easier to scale number two is the the value of the lego sets are enormous definitely the older ones right so you could have a box This tiny could be worth $500 or euros, whatever you want to see that. But um, yeah, so then you don't need to have, if you have 40 TVs in your living room or 40 little boxes of Lego in your living room, I'll I'll take the Lego as well. (laughs) Right?
0: Love it. Yeah. So scalability, the first one that you mentioned is really about scalability and it's about And I agree with you. Like, this is an area that I gravitated towards as well that really spoke to me with Lego investing. Because before Lego investing, I was doing comic books. I was selling comic books. It was profitable. It was lucrative. I figured out a way to easily find stuff that, well, so easily is a, you know, maybe a big word. But I figured out a way to find profitable inventory uh, pretty regularly. But the problem was I had to spend a lot of time trying to find it. And so it was very... You know, spend a lot of time, find one good deal, source the deal, and then sell it and make a great profit. And that sourcing time was too much for me to be able to scale the business because I, you know, it was too much time taken to find one great deal. And so when I found Lego investing, I realized I could research great Lego sets, but then buy two or 300 units of that set instead of just one of them. Because when I was doing mm-hmm. comic books, I could find someone who undervalued their comic book. That's just one unit of inventory, right? Exactly, yeah. So the scalability aspect wasn't there. And that's really what drew me as well to leg investing is like one of the big reasons. And then... So, so how big was that factor of difference for you over
1: for, for, uh, for the time you spent searching for a specific comic book versus searching for that one specific deal you can order hundreds of
0: Oh, it's it, It's not even comparable because the thing with yeah. Lego investing is that I'm a big believer in creating a hit list of Lego sets to invest in before yeah. you go and see the deals. Because if you see exactly. the deals first, you start to get like, you know, you yeah. start to get FOMO, yeah. Yeah. you know, you, you lack discipline. So I still do research on Lego sets. I think everybody should do research on which Lego sets to buy. Don't just follow the deals. Don't just buy what other people are talking about in the communities. Do your research. But the research can be done one time, right? And, you know, you're always going to have to evaluate new sets and also reevaluate sets when something may change. Uh, yeah. You evaluated Darth Vader's helmet last year. You don't want to buy it. But then they release a new Luke Skywalker helmet, and you start thinking, maybe I should look at that Darth Vader again. Because if they keep re-releasing more sets in this collection... And Darth yeah. Vader actually kind of changes, right? So maybe I should think about. So I'm not saying you evaluate one time and never go back to it, no. but you can generally evaluate all of the sets, you know, and then you've done the work, and then yeah. you can quickly evaluate deals as they come up, and it's it becomes quite easy. Whereas That's if you are nice. sourcing one unit, you have to just look closely every day and spend hours per day doing it.
1: Yeah. So so when I or uh, I still did that on the on the Dutch version of eBay. I, uh, my, my, my job was literally just refreshing the entire page in a specific category. And whenever a, 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 new advertisement popped up, I was just hoping it was a way too low price for a good product and I could snatch it up right, right there. And then that was literally mm-hmm. how I worked back then. Right now it's, yeah. so, so I get what you're saying, right? So for, for, let's say, let's call it the theme, right? Every theme has like, it costs, a, it costs, a, quite a bit of work to to do the analysis properly, uh, I think. But once you do that, just updating that one, if there's a new set released or a new one's going to retire in a few months, that's tiny bit of work. It's uh, next to nothing. So love yep. that as well. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I think when you learn how to do the analysis quickly, um, or when you learn how to do it and you do it a hundred times, you'll start to get really fast at doing it as well. Absolutely. And because it's a process that can be repeated, that's the other thing. When you're... Sourcing one item at a time, whether you're thrifting, you know, you're going to garage sales or whatever it is, Um, every situation is different. So it requires different analysis. Whereas with this stuff, you can just rinse and repeat. Now, I'm not saying that um, those other resale business models are not great and can't be amazing profits for your life. I'm just saying why I love the scalability of Lego investing. But I know a lot of people who do um, source individual sets uh, individual minifigures and different things like that one at a time and they do incredible and the reason they do incredible is because the profit margins can be a lot greater because you can find mm-hmm. people who undervalue their inventory and yeah. buy it for pennies on the dollar and so that's the benefit and then you got to yeah. but you got to make sure yeah. you get a great deal to pay for the time that it took you to source the deal yeah yeah definitely yeah so um so you so scalability and then the second point that you mentioned there was the appreciation of the price right because over time it goes up in value and then that means that um you know is it what is it about the appreciation that you like so much is it that it removes some mm. of the risk uh, you mentioned the storage you know you'd rather have something going up in value taking up the same storage as TVs um but what is it that really drew you to that aspect of it of prices going up over time yeah, so so I always look for
1: so I think every every entrepreneur does this, but uh, I always look for opportunities to minimize risk, right? Um and and so when I when you buy your first Lego set for investing, that's that's a scary thing, right? You're thinking, oh crap, what the hell am I doing? Why am I not just putting it in a stock or something that everybody does or real estate or whatever you want to do? Yeah. So when buying the first one, I really need to keep that barrier of entry for myself just as low as possible. And I think a lot of people uh, can, uh, can probably uh, recognize uh, themselves in that. So what I try to do is, what if you literally go on eBay, you rip a box apart, and you put it in on a scale, uh, how much th- do you pay per kilo, right? Or per ounce, or uh, not sure what the, how you uh, <laughs> How you measure that but uh, per kilo right so and then once you have that price and you know you buy a set for a good deal whatever happens you can always sell it for the worst 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 case scenario and that's if you throw away the box if you throw away the instructions if you throw away all the minifigures just only that lego on a scale and just put it on uh, ebay and still then you see that that, that the downside wasn't that much and Number two, uh, what I liked is it, when it appreciates, right? It always, it always appreciates at some point. At least that's my experience. Uh, of course, things uh, uh, I bought the, the Tower Bridge as well. I think I held that one for three, four years. Sold it for ten euros uh, less than I bought it. So okay, it's not always true, but yeah. Right. So the worst case scenario is you have to wait a bit, a little bit longer to make a profit. Yeah, that's awesome, right? Everybody yeah. uh, would love a product like that, right? You, you know, you always can sell it. There's not, there's not too much stock. You can always sell it, but only at the right time.
0: And the avenues for selling are so great, right? Because you have so many yeah. options. Lego is the most demanded brand of toy in the world. And you could sell it on multiple marketplaces online, but also you could sell it offline. You could go to a street corner and set up a cart with a little sign like a lemonade stand saying Lego sets for sale, and you would sell your Lego sets. Like it's, yeah, it moves so fast. Now, I do want to talk a little more about that because um, my experience obviously is with the US market. And I yeah. do get comments on my videos and different things talking about asking questions about different markets. And I always wish that I could give them more detail to our international friends who are curious about whether this works in other markets. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to learn a little bit more about how things look like in the Netherlands and how, you know, and whether or not you look at other European countries and you do any cross country selling or anything like that. So, can we talk a little bit about that? Because uh, you're talking about the liquidity of lego sets right you're talking about one of the things that reduces the risk is that you can easily sell it and um some countries may have an easier time selling inventory than others uh you know I, i interviewed one of my friends from south africa here on the show uh and he talked about how they don't have amazon or ebay in south africa so he made his own website now that to me and i think to a lot of entrepreneurs who are driven is actually quite inspiring because it makes me feel like there's always a way, right? You don't have Amazon or eBay, you build a website and he's still successful, or you open a brick and mortar store, he's still successful. Um, but for but some of us are spoiled and in the US, I fully understand we are quite spoiled with our options, right? We've got options yeah. for so many yeah. different places where we could yeah, sell. Yeah, yeah. So can you walk me through yeah. the landscape in the Netherlands in terms of where you can sell things? What does the online landscape look like for e-commerce and uh, how easy it is it to move inventory?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So um, a bit about uh, Dutch people, right? We're, this is literally psychological uh, uh, research. Uh, one of the most frugal people in the world, although we're a very rich country, one of the most frugal people in the world. So uh, we have a Dutch, like I mentioned, the Dutch version of uh, eBay. I think it was actually acquired by eBay as well. So they own the actual uh, website. It's called markblads, but yeah, it doesn't say uh, .nl. Okay. Uh, So I think there are 17 million, 18 million people live in the Netherlands. And I think the site gets about 2 million hits per month. It's absolutely insane. So you can always sell it there. And that's like exactly what eBay is, but the Dutch version. Okay. And the funny thing is, we have a. Dutch version of Amazon as well. So we have Amazon. Um, however, the bigger player here is like a huge supermarket chain who does a Dutch version of Amazon as well, way before Amazon was even here. So it was like yeah, 10 years or 10 years before or something. And it's called uh, Botcom. Um, exact same thing. And uh so, so you will have like a for that one, you have like a way tinier market. But everybody in the Netherlands uses that one and um, Lego is a huge thing in the Netherlands as well so we have like a few Lego stores I think uh, four here in the Netherlands I I', I, I I've had uh, uh, I've had moments that I literally couldn't get in the door because it was just too busy and there are uh, guards there saying hey don't come in please yeah. so that's that's sort of about that's that sort of uh, our Dutch market right so um, I do sell in Europe as well because um, I think uh, Hong Kong and the Netherlands are one of the best uh, uh, discounted prices of Lego around the world um, don't' uh, don't fact check that. Yeah, do please fact check this, but uh, don't uh, throw me in front of the wolves if it's wrong. But uh, that's uh, my uh, humble opinion. So, yeah, if you have those deals and you just literally put them on eBay, put them on Amazon, put them on the big websites you're using as well, you have a huge uh, market within Europe. So, yeah. So, although you have like these weird little things uh, for the for the Dutch market, to be fair, that's that's where I'm selling like 80% of my stuff, and then the other 20%, yeah, they go through uh, to Poland, to Spain, to uh, Croatia, those kind of countries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, that that that's that's a bit about our market. So,
0: yeah, that's that's very helpful context, and um, so. You said like around twenty percent of your your sales you could sell in other countries in Europe. How mm-hmm. easy is it for people across Europe to sell cross country? Because sometimes I do get those questions of, Shane, I'm in a very small country in Europe. Uh, we don't have a big presence online. We don't Amazon don't have a big you know um, uh, website here. What do I do? And you know I obviously I'm not there. I I don't have the the First-hand experience of doing it. But I do know people who successfully sell across all European markets. They send their Amazon inventory into Amazon Germany, Amazon France, Amazon Italy. And um, it seems to me like there's actually a ton of opportunity to reach all of Europe if you are located on any one of the countries in Europe. But that could be a naive statement to make. So can you share a little bit on whether you think that that actually is accessible? And is that possible to do that? Yeah, so so I'm gonna be honest. I don't know too much about that
1: um, um, yet, <laughs> right? So I have just started my Amazon store in the in the Netherlands. Uh, again, uh, the Netherlands is not really a thing. It's just more for um, the bull.com. The Dutch version of Amazon is is way way better. So, but of course, I wanna um, I w- I wanted to sell a bit more in Europe as well. Uh, serve the markets where uh, where they need sets the most right so what i did know is literally a week ago i started this store so i love to be fair i know absolutely nothing (laughs) but when you upload a new lego set let's say i want to sell one of these uh, here in the back right Uh, you automatically um upload it to the dutch one to the german one to the Finish one to the end, go so on. So there's like eight different websites that show that you can sell that set. When you have to upload your shipping cost, it's not just to the Netherlands or something. It's to the Netherlands and all those websites as well. So I just to be fair, I, I have to do some research there specifically for Lego. But um, yeah, Amazon is just the market leader. So so don't make it too complex, right? Just yeah, try it there first and uh, see what happens. So that's my that's my uh, tactic at least.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's great. You know, I think that's enough for people to get started on because they can go and, and dig a little deeper. And the other thing I would add to it is yeah. Amazon have really been trying to push um, helping sellers to expand into other markets. So in the US, for example, when I log into my US Amazon seller account, they're trying to get me to list items in Canada and in Mexico, right? You'll see it when you first log in, select yeah. your market, Canada or Mexico or the U.S. And I can ship inventory to sell in Mexico and in Canada. In Europe, I imagine they're doing the exact same thing. They're trying to get sellers to have broader horizons and scale across different businesses. Yeah. It helps Amazon to keep, you know, a, a nice balanced inventory across their warehouses, across the continent. And so they're going to have... um they're gonna they're gonna simplify that method, right? So if you want to ship from you know the Netherlands to Amazon France or Amazon Germany, uh, they're gonna they're gonna simplify as much as possible. And in Europe, particularly uh, the customs and different things like that will be simplified because you are within the European Union, and yeah. will yeah. also make some of that stuff as easy as possible. So I think you know we don't have all the answers right here when it comes to this, but there's definitely opportunity there in my opinion. Again, I know very large sellers who do it, not with Lego, but I know very large sellers in the, you know, like eight figure range in terms of their sales volume a year who sell across all of Europe with all sorts of different products. And they uh, intentionally try to do it across all the different markets. So if I was in Europe and I was selling Lego, that's exactly what I'd be trying to do. Yeah.
1: And and so so I'm not there yet, but uh, I would like to be, of course. Who doesn't? Um, But. it would be so interesting to me. So which country has a preference for which theme or which there's so much to be, to be learned there. Right. It's awesome. So it's just a journey. I'm just beginning. So I I don't know either, but uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, let's, let's, let's check back in and give it a couple of years. And after you've, you've scoped out the land, we can, we can, we can do another one of these and update everybody. Um, So I want to talk a little bit more about the sourcing so you because you mentioned that you know you've got some really good deals available to you it's another area that I see some uh, concerns and this is a very common um, concern that's posted on my videos and comments and different things is like Mm Shane the US deals look insane I can't get those kind of deals where I am in my marketplace Um, so how do I can I be a Lego investor now my answer to that so unless I really dig deep on each person's market, I'm never going to be able to perfectly answer that question. No, no. But the one thing that I do want to start off saying here is uh, everybody should realize that the aftermarket in your marketplace, right, the the retirement market in your marketplace, all of the sellers in that retirement market have that same problem that you have when it comes to sourcing great deals. And so if, you know, for example, my home country of Ireland and I have, you know, family members who ask me, can we do a Lego investing in Ireland? And I haven't really dug in deep on the data, but I do know people doing it successfully in Ireland. And they're always asking me, we can't get those great 30% off deals. So if we can't get a great deal, we can't invest in Lego sets. But nobody else in Ireland can get those deals either, right? So if everybody else is also paying full price or close to full price, the aftermarket values will start from a higher level, right? In the US, the aftermarket values are going to start down here because everyone's buying down here. So if you yeah. have great deals available and great buy-in prices available, readily available to everybody, the aftermarket prices will be will be weighed down a little bit. You have these low ball sellers, you gotta wait for them to sell out before the price starts to go up. If you yeah. don't have any of that, everyone has to pay full MSRP. Aftermarket prices will be will reflect that. And so, in my opinion, without going deep on every marketplace, Lego investing should theoretically work everywhere yeah. because yeah. supply gets restricted so I'd love to learn a little more about your thoughts on um well let's start with that and then we can dig a little deeper on the sourcing um, side of yeah. things so what, what yeah, I guess yeah. what are your thoughts on that front you know do you see appreciation and prices going up and the opportunities to buy sets at a profitable level um in the Netherlands are as good as you know what you might see on YouTube for the US and different things or do you think there's a clear difference?
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, so I so I agree with
1: what you're saying, right? So if, um, let's say, uh, year-round, oh, man, I, I can only dream. But uh, let's say uh, year-round, everything is uh, 50% off here always. Um, yeah, then you're going to have a hard time selling it for uh, market price after a year, right? Or maybe that's sort of the goal target, right? To so double it in a year, something like that. So, so that I totally agree that that gap will probably remain the same so but that's that's something that i'm thinking about right so within so the u.s is sort of like the u.s and you could say i i say this too i I say this a lot so so you could say all these little states are the same as like the eu has with all these little different countries however every different country does have very specific markets and i don't know them either But what I do want to know is if it actually is true that the Dutch market is so much cheaper worldwide than the others, because if that's the case, then for a European marketplace, if I can find that uh, on Amazon or something, then there is indeed huge opportunity, right? So let's say we have a standard discount of 30%, for for example, Speed Champions, uh, I think I can uh, go to the store tomorrow and buy like three of the models for forty percent, forty percent off. Not even exaggerating. So, uh, so um, if I put those online tomorrow, right, for someone with a cheap shipping uh, or something uh, to pick up in, let's say, Spain, there is so much opportunity there. Oh man, you have no idea. So it's just sitting there right waiting for someone to actually fill that gap so i'm not there if you're listening to this holy crap uh, please reach out if you if you know a bit more about it but uh okay so yeah what
0: awesome. you're talking about is basically taking the concept that i just mentioned which is you know the the, the market value in retirement is going to reflect the available discounts during the Absolutely. life of the set and if you can get incredible discounts in your country well, then you can sell the inventory in another country that doesn't have the same level of discounts.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: market value in that other country w- will be higher naturally because the sellers there could not get the set at a great price. And so the market yeah. value is higher. You got the set at a yeah. great price. so you immediately have a bigger margin, a bigger return on investment before you know anyone in that country, any of the sellers in that country can even have a chance to compete with you. You just had yeah. this naturally increased return on investment because you bought it in a different market where yeah. you were able to get it at a better price. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, for,
1: for example, right, let's say uh, we have a 50% discount and I'll just uh, name Spain as an example. They don't, right? They, they stick at MSRP all year round. And let's say after one year, the price doubles, right? So then after one year, I'm able to sell it for MSRP. but there, you can sell it for double MSRP. So you can four times, uh, you can quadruple—is that the right word? Yep, <laughs> your investment—the one you so, got that's the same, right?
0: It's international arbitrage is essentially what it is, and it's really interesting way to do it. And you, like in Europe, obviously, you have the currency is the same, so it's simplified a little bit. There, there could be opportunities for currency uh, differences. You know when doing it in countries that have different currencies for example you know if you're doing it from the u.s uh, to canada you know you're going to have to think about the u.s dollar and the canadian dollar and the the uh, currency exchange and also from the u.s to mexico um yeah. but within europe you're talking about you know a lot of the same currency a lot of reduced um difficulties with importing and different things like that so yeah. it's literally just down to supply and demand differences in the markets
1: yeah yeah, no, absolutely. I uh, even know a friend of mine who's, do, who's doing this uh, on a smaller scale as well. Um, I love it. Uh, when uh, when uh, uh, Brexit was uh, sort of around, uh, I don't know exactly how long that was, but let's say yeah, yeah. four years ago, doesn't matter that much. The bounce the took a huge drop, right? Yeah. So like 20, 25% to our, uh, to our euro that guy just literally has his whole inventory just only his whole inventory is only from the UK from that specific time 20 20 extra discount was insane <laughs> super smart so so yeah. that's just those simple things you can you can you can leverage way better if you're on a global platform yeah. So I, oh, man, I, I'd love to be there. I'm speaking to you and you're from the US. So I already feel like Mr. White here. But
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Like, I think um, a lot of people are just worried about the importing of, of Lego investing. I I think that's really where the big blocker is, right? It's, yeah. it's not the technology anymore because we know we can use Amazon to sell in Germany. I can even do it from here, from the US. I could sell on Amazon Germany using um, using Amazon FBA. They would even ship it to customers for me. The thing that I have to take care of is getting the inventory into to the Amazon Germany warehouses and yeah. shipping across the ocean, of course, will kill all of my profits. So I'm never going to do that. But even when you have a bordered country right next to you, uh, people are a little nervous about shipping inventory into those warehouses because you have customs and different things like that. And I think that that one thing is the friction point which causes people to not do the things we're talking yeah. about and okay. if you have and again this is just a hunch but i do think in the european union some of those things will be made a lot easier and uh, if you can you know just learn how to do those things learn how to ha- how to fill out an import form and get a shipping container full of lego sets into across borders into a country where you can make 2x the roi I think yeah. you know the opportunities could be immense, but a lot of people don't even look into it because they're just nervous about, you know, having to do the extra work of importing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's definitely a hassle to to figure that out. But yeah, whenever there's hassle, there's opportunity as well, right? If you're the yeah. you're the one actually knowing how to navigate specifically through that hassle, then uh, you have a, definitely have an advantage there. Yeah, I yeah, don't I don't have that advantage, Shane. I can. <laughs> I'm not there yet, but that's uh, that's uh, definitely something uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you all about if we speak uh, in a few years again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now we're just dreaming. We're just talking about opportunity. Yeah, that's uh, fun, right. <laughs> um, I love it. So I wanted to talk a little bit more, just dig a little deeper on the, the, the idea of sourcing, right? So um, can you walk us through a little bit about what you're sourcing, you know, kind of strategy is high level you don't have to give away any secret sauce or anything like that but you mentioned some great deals are available out there um firstly are you mostly just sourcing from retailers and then secondly um you know what is the landscape like in terms of buying we talked a little bit about the landscape for selling in the netherlands mm-hmm. what is the opportunities like for buying sets
1: yeah so i'm still um finding my way there uh, to be honest with, but to be fair, I, I I will I will do that until the day I die. So, but but um, um, yeah. How to put this? So so we have huge discounts on let's say Black Friday, right? That's by far the best and the, the biggest discount here in the Netherlands as well. So, however, there's uh, nine out of ten times you have a limited amount of orders you can do. So. Maybe I'm uh, saying something I shouldn't hear, but uh, I'll just say it anyway. There's always a way to navigate that as well. It's the exact same thing. It's a hassle. So for example, I know a few websites here, I'm uh, not going to mention those, where you can only buy two, and it says with big letters, you can only buy two per account. It's just not true. Just go then. <laughs> order it again and they will arrive all at your doorstep no problem whatsoever so i even bought like 60 big boxes all at once it was all fine no worries so that's 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 my journey now so uh, i'm not really into the big retailers yet i, I i've been in contact with uh, with uh, actual uh, uh retailer of uh, lego as well but to be honest those discounts are just um, mostly in VIP points. And uh, it's not really my cup of tea for now. And you have to be very specific with, uh, if you want to buy officially from LEGO as well, you have to be extremely specific in where you sell it. Because you can probably imagine like the world uh, thing uh, we we talked about uh, before, right, is um, LEGO really tries to control their marketplaces in each different country. So that's difficult, but you don't have to comply with that per se if you're just a customer. So so, so that's all I know for buying. I, I don't really have like a wholesale uh, client just yet because those are just not interesting enough. I'd rather just do it on uh, in a tricky way with, with the uh, specific discounts on those huge holidays. That's like 80% of my stuff that I buy if not hundreds are always on those holiday discounts I call it break friday christmas singles day valentine's day whatever mm-hmm. that that's that's definitely the best best time to buy so but how, how, is that, uh, how is that in the us is that uh do, do you have that eighty twenty thing as well
0: no that's i think that's interesting that you say that because for me um i don't the, I, I do more of my buying outside of the holidays, outside of the big discount days, because typically the discount days are great and everything. But it is just a couple of days, and so for me to source all of the quantities that I that I want uh, during just that small period of time is not very easy to do. So, for example, in, with Amazon in the US, you can get three units of in one order. Or Mm -hmm. you can get twenty. It varies depending on the set. Some sets are three. Some sets are twenty. Typically, whenever they have a great discount on a set, they're only going to let you order three in in a single order. Now you can come back and do a repeat order, but not the same day. So typically, you got to wait a little while before you can do another order. And so if on Prime Day, uh, you know, actually on Prime Day they restrict it even more. A lot of the times they actually only let you order one or even you know two or three all of a set in a single order. So that's all you're gonna get unless you have 20 Amazon accounts. And yeah. uh, you're gonna to have to come back a week later and order another batch. It's just the deals are gone by then, it's, you know, it's too late. Same problem with Black Friday. So with Amazon, right. it kind of goes out the window a little bit to be able to source a lot of inventory during the great deal days because you just, quantity limits, you can over you can overcome quantity limits in general over a, over a longer period of time, but you can't do it all in two days. So then you got to turn to other retailers and I do that. I buy from other retailers because the good thing is a lot of the other retailers are getting competitive now on prime day and on black Friday. And so you can get great deals from other retailers and you can do repeat orders there, but it's, it's rare that I'll be able to get everything that I want during those times. So I end up doing a lot more sourcing outside of the great deal days. Um, and a lot of the times if I'm buying inventory that I know is probably not going to be discounted heavily anyway, such as higher price sets. Typically, you're yeah. not going to get a big forty percent off in the U.S. on a, a you know a two hundred dollar Lego set, even on Black Friday. I'll buy yeah. it all year round. You know, as long as we're close enough to retirement. Like if it's the six months before retirement, I'll just start buying. You know, so I don't have to wait for Black Friday for that. Uh, so that's typically the time frame that I kind of look at. Um, but it's oh, interesting okay. that you kind of you pivot so heavily around those deal days. Um, it sounds like the deals are very enticing <laughs> in in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah I
1: think uh, there's one the Range Rover. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, see that? Uh, okay, yep. but um, yep. I think uh, MSRP was two fifty, um, yep. but uh, ten of those for a uh, hundred at uh, at uh, Prime Day, Black Friday, Black Friday. I think yeah. Insane. So I put that literally on on uh, on the the Dutch Amazon. Uh, let's say the next day, and uh, already sold uh, three or four for two hundred or something. It's just the exact same website. It's just such an easy, simple flip. It's
0: fantastic. Makes me so happy to hear those kind of stories. <laughs> <laughs> I just love. I just love Come it. Here. What yeah. a, you know? What an easy turnover, right? It's it's amazing. Um, so the. Uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about how you pick your sets, so what are some of the things that you care about when you're deciding yeah. what to invest in?
1: yeah yeah, good one, good one so uh again, I think that that minimize to minimize that risk is sort of my driver the most so whenever there is so i I only tend to, so, okay, so let's say uh, Harry Potter and Star Wars are super popular, but I don't buy them that much because I'm just not a, I like the movies, all of them for both uh, genres, but I'm not a huge fan, so I don't know exactly the nuances of that specific minifigure being awesome in this specific set and those kind of things. Yep. And I'm, I'm always going to be one step behind, right, on the, on the, in, in, instead of being a if, if someone is a huge fan they always will know better than me so um you have that and number two is that it's sometimes uh definitely for harry harry potter for me uh it their own so the movies are sort of done now and i never say never in hollywood but uh so uh That's it, right? That's where the LEGO sets are going to come from. There are only so much characters you can put in that line uh, for Harry Potter, uh, pure movie-wise, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of opportunity there. I see a lot of awesome uh, Harry Potter sets uh, for you as well uh, in your in your videos as well. And I've done a few, but only if that's like a 50% discount or more. Then I don't even think and just buy em, uh, buy them all. Uh, so then the question becomes, what do I buy? <laughs> so I, I love uh, uh, things that are just very predictable, right? Less, less risk, the better. So, well, actually, uh, these might be a good example. So uh, like modular sets uh, are a great example. You have the, um, uh, the Mini Cooper right here uh that's also something every year comes a new one i think the concorde is now a a new uh, lego set uh, in that one and uh chevrolet right the red uh, car so those are just so predictable i love that right speed champions definitely my number one uh, investment uh, as well super small sets uh, there's a lot of volume uh, there as well um So, make a lot of people happy that uh, puts a smile on my face as well, instead of uh, that you just set for 500 to 1000, just from 10 to 30. It's way more fun uh, to me. So, so that's that, that are my main drivers in buying a Lego set, actually. How's that for you? What, what what do you lose? Is there something really specific you focus on? Or,
0: yeah, there, I mean, there is, there's a handful of different very specific things. So I I go through kind of a couple of stages of filtering stuff out in my head. If it's not retiring, I don't look any closer. And if it's in a theme that I don't think works well with my model, I don't look any closer. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that is, you know, BrickHeads. Like, I love BrickHeads investments. They they can, the ROIs on BrickHeads are amazing. But for my strategy, they're just, they're not, they're, um, the MSRP of BrickHeads is a little too low for me because I want to deploy larger amounts of money. And so it'll take too much work for me to put the same amount of money into brickheads, so I I avoid brickheads, not completely avoid, but mostly avoid. So I filter out based on retirement. I filter out based on theme, fitting my strategy. And then when it comes to the set, I look at supply and demand, and I think about um, what are the chances of the set continuing to have sustained demand into the future, uh, because things like what you just said with Harry Potter, you you mentioned the movies not coming out again, right? I call that relevance, right? I think it's, is it relevant to pop culture? Yeah. Not just today, but in the future, what's the chance of this continuing to be super relevant to pop culture in the future? Your concern there about Harry Potter is that is not that Harry Potter is going to lose all demand. Cause we're always going to have Harry Potter fans. Your concern yeah. is, will it, can, will it have as much demand in four years as it does as it did two years ago, yeah. or, you know, Will it have as much demand in the future as it did in the past? Because you know, sure, yeah. you're investing in things that are going downhill. You want to invest in things that are going up in popularity or sustaining the popularity. You might have that same problem with something like Sesame Street or uh, Winnie the Pooh, right? Which are very interesting because uh, every other Lego investor also had that concern. And as a result, nobody was buying it. And then you have low supply. So the other side, you have the, you have to think about the demand whether the demand will con- continue in the aftermarket. you also got to think about the supply. Is there going to be a lot of supply in the aftermarket? Is there a lot of other Lego investors buying this set? Sesame Street actually has been pretty strong performing because no Lego investors were buying it. A lot of people were afraid that it was going to be a bad investment. Same to yeah. be said for um, you know, for a lot of new sets. The, whenever we have a, a new wave of sets it, that are kind of untested, a lot of the times we have LEGO investors are avoiding it. So, for example, that's why the TIE Fighter pilot helmet was one of the greatest investments in the last couple of years. People were not buying helmets when the first wave were out because they didn't, they weren't tested. Um, so I think about the supply and demand, and then I just kind of go down to each set level and, um, and compare them against each other. So that's yeah. really the overall kind of... And then in, in, in terms of themes... I you know I agree with some of what you said. I think speed champions are great, especially for beginners. I do really like Harry Potter. I think last year's Harry Potter wave were not that strong, but in the past we've had very very strong Harry Potter investments. Um, nice. Creator expert icons is a no-brainer a lot of the time. Things like Star Wars, Star Wars is you got to be careful with because um, not every set is going to be great. You have some sets that are going to get uh, re-released. You have um some sets that are just going to underperform so you've got to dig a little deeper on where to go with star wars same could be yeah. said for something like a jurassic world we've had great winners in jurassic world but not all the sets are sure thing some of them are going to underperform um same for ideas ideas lego ideas is like a landmine a landmine yeah. field it's like some of the sets are so great as an investment and then others will underperform a little bit so it's yeah. not your thing, but it's kind of the same across the board, you know. Like you're gonna find great winners in every theme, even live in, uh, even City, Lego City, Lego Friends, Lego Duplo. A lot of these yeah. themes are areas that a lot of people avoid, but some really big winners in some of these themes. If you learn how to find them,
1: no, so that's, absolutely. That's yeah. the thoughts. It's almost like the the paradox of of that investing for these for these Lego sets, right? So, for example, if you would have looked at the demand for the TIE thai, uh, thai fighter helmet you mentioned. Yep. So the demand might be a bit low. And you're thinking, ah, people are not interested in this. But then that there's huge opportunity there as well, right? So that's t- sort of the paradox. If people don't buy it that much, you can buy a lot of it and you can have a great investment. Maybe. Or people are just not interested in, in general. How, how do you... Navigate that because I know you bought the uh, Tie Fighter. Uh, I did. Store. Congratulations, by the way, awesome.
0: Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 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 The reason I bought Tie Fighter Pilot Helmet heavily, and the reason I made four videos talking about why everybody should buy the Tie Fighter Pilot Helmet before it retired, was one. Well, so there was there was two main big reasons for it, and again, it comes down to the supply and demand that I just talked about. The this uh, the demand I knew was gonna still be there because we talked about relevance to pop culture. What we did not talk about is collectability, right? TIE Fighter Pilot. If you look at anybody who's buying the Star Wars helmets, they're not buying one Star Wars helmet, they're buying six of them and are putting them on a shelf next to each other. This series is one of the most collectible series of Lego sets we've ever seen. Yeah, look you, fantastic, yeah. One of these sets, and you know yeah. that this collectability of these sets is just outstanding. And then if you just think forward a couple of years, you think when people are trying to buy Captain Rex, right? We didn't know Captain Rex was going to come out a couple of years ago, but insert character here, right? When people in the future are going to want to buy some future character, they're going to want to come back here and get and finish the collection and they're going to want to buy the TIE Fighter pilot. They're going to want to buy the Stormtrooper helmet. And so the collectability factor was immense. And, that, and I saw that from the very beginning with these sets. Now we see that, all over the place with Lego sets, right? We see it yeah. because because collectability is one of the biggest objectives from the Lego group when they're creating sets, right? They try to make them so collectible
1: yeah,
0: because they want the same fan to buy 10 sets. And so they try to make them as collectible as possible. You see it in Speed Champions. You see it in Super Mario, a very collectible theme. You see it in, um, obviously, with the, the, the modular buildings. You see it in so many different places, but with... Yeah. But the question becomes, what is the level of collectability, right? They all have some collectability. What is the level of it? And with Star Wars Helmets, I felt like the level of collectability was the absolute maximum. Like, it was so collectible. So there was on the demand side, I was certain that the demand would continue into the aftermarket. And on the supply side, I was certain that it would be undersupplied. And the reason I was certain for that is because it was uh, an exclusive in the U.S. to Mm -hmm. uh, Target, And that that essentially meant that Lego Group manufactured fewer of them, right? Because if they're exclusively partnering with one retailer, then they're going to manufacture less of them than, you know, Stormtrooper Helmet, which was sold in all retailers. So I knew that the set would be underproduced. And I knew that the number of investors, Lego investors and resellers who would stock up on the set will be lower because they can't get it for 30% off on Prime Day from Amazon, right? Because Amazon wasn't selling the set. So the supply was guaranteed to be low. So the demand in my mind was definitely going to be super high. And the supply in my mind was definitely going to be super low. That's why I made those videos talking about TIE Fighter Pilot. Now, we can do that same thing again and again, right? We can just find those sets that are going to be very undersupplied and very over demanded because of these different signals that we see happening. That doesn't mean we're going to find something that performs the same as TIE Fighter Pilot because that was off the charts. But it does mean we will increase our chances of finding winners. And that's all we need, right? We don't need to get a 300% ROI every year. We just want to, you know, we want to, like, if the stock market will pay you 8%, then yeah. technically 20% should be a great return. Because that's actually close to Warren Buffett's returns annually. But my target is around 80%. And if I'm getting close to that, we're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: I don't I don't think I hit those numbers. It will more more be like um yeah, let's say 30, 40. Mm-hmm. I still have a lot to learn, to be fair. So so uh, a lot of my data is still a bit clouded because so like five years ago as a complete newbie, I invested like half of whatever I had left from my uh, uh, TV uh, thing as well. And a lot of those were, for example, the god awful. Uh, uh, how do you call that tower bridge, right? Yeah, it happens, and that's okay. So it's so. I think that one um, is one as well. So if you're starting out, just know it will happen instead of thinking, "Ah, it will probably uh, won't it won't happen to me." But uh, yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah, we got to learn, right? We got to go through a little process of learning and figuring out how to pick the winners. That's going to involve buying some sets that are not the best investment. But the great thing about that is you made $10 per set. No, you said you lost $10 per set on Tower Bridge, even still, yeah. right? If yeah. you If you had a different e-commerce business and you were selling shoes or you were selling electronics or something like that, and you bought a really bad investment, more often than not, you're going to lose a lot of money. With Lego investing what I'm finding is that even my bad investments break even, right? Yeah. You didn't quite break sense. even on that one but you nearly did. So yeah.
1: yeah, so I think that 10 euros was like the shipping and the the the, the fees for uh, for the platform, right?
0: So, yeah, exactly break Specifically uh, break even indeed. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um all right, so I'd love to just talk a little bit more about um because you mentioned that you know you're still learning, you're kind of ad- adapting, and you know you mm-hmm. like we talked a lot about different opportunities that you are excited to explore a little bit more in different things. Um, looking back on the five years that you've been Lego investing, what are some kind of I guess, um, what are some big realizations that you've had or learnings that you've had to make to um, whether it's you know related to buying or selling or inventory management, any part of the business. What are some of the big kind of lessons that stand out to you that were pretty important for you to learn throughout those that time? Mm, yeah, good question. So actually, what what
1: um, so my biggest lesson is definitely that you for something like this um, you just really need a, a airtight system. That uh, that can get you the actual data of the actual sales, right? So what does actually sell, and only look at the sales price at that at that time. So for example, you can go on websites like Brick Economy or BrickLink or whatever you want to look at eBay, and you can see what people posted for. Uh, congratulations it's not sold yet so i can post something as well i can post these for uh the 5000 uh, euros Yeah, uh, congratulations it doesn't sell mm-hmm. so that's 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 something uh, yeah it's super simple but there was just a, a, a bit naive uh, for me in the beginning uh, to be fair yep but again so 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 once you have um uh, so i started off quite big right so i think i put like 5k or something as a newbie just all in in lego investing um that was quite a lot so i tried to diversify like it was an official uh, investment portfolio right so try to diversify a bit yep um so your system needs to be super accurate let's say one two three years later in um How that growth specifically has been. And the good thing is, if you just reinvest the things, and then uh, in a very specific system, the system will tell you specifically which sets, uh, which themes perform well and which don't, right? So let's say I have two themes I invest in, right? Uh, Speed Champions and Harry Potter, right? So I buy a hundred worth of Harry Potter, buy a hundred worth of Speed Champions. Then after two years, I see that the Speed Champions is now worth 250 and the Harry Potter is worth 300. Once I reinvest 300 euros of profit back into Harry Potter sets, that automatically grows more and other things are growing less. So it just takes the it's super simple but it just takes the emotion out of things and that's 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 something i i had to learn the hard way ah <laughs> oh, tower bridge cool people will probably want that i like it so i'll buy a few of those yeah, that, yeah. that's how it works so it's tempting definitely so you and i we love lego right so, so we're not, not coming out of nowhere so then it's tempting to, to just see it as a hobby and oh, that one is just fun. Let me buy that one. Just really try to get disciplined and uh, with, with a system like that. And I think that was my biggest lesson, but mm-hmm. eh, learn something new. So um, is this is a huge lesson for you as well. Something, a uh, big blunder you made, uh, well, in the beginning of uh, investing.
0: Um. Some of the blunders that come from mine for me is really, yeah, they are actually similar. It's a similar cause behind it. It is really about not treating it like a business. And I think that's exactly what you're saying as well, is that yeah. treating it too much like uh, a hobby. And in the beginning, I was buying sets because I was interested in them. And I made the assumption that other people would be interested in them as well, because I was also interested in them. So I'd walk into a store and I'd be like, oh, this looks like a cool set. I'll buy yeah. five of these and... That was the way I chose my investments and when I first started. I didn't know any better. And uh, I still, you know, unfortunately see new investors, um, you know, picking sets based on their own interests and not thinking too much about the supply and demand stuff that we talked about earlier and what do the market want because the market could, you know, be telling you something very e- very openly and easily about whether or not a Lego set is actually going to stand the test of time or not. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was picking sets based on my own, you know, love of the set. And I wasn't even looking at retirement dates when I first started. So I was just buying yeah. set too early. And yeah. actually at that point, when I first started, there were no, the retirement dates weren't really as available as they are today. So I had to do a lot of guessing. And I yeah. actually, what I did was I had to calculate the average shelf life of all of the sets that I was thinking about buying. Uh, or of the themes of the sets that I was thinking about buying. So, for example, if I was looking at a Lego Architecture Guggenheim set, I would calculate the average shelf life of all of the past Lego Architecture sets to figure out how how long they stay on the shelf for. And I would look at the shelf life of the Guggenheim, and I'd be thinking, okay, is it past the average or not? Is there a chance it's going to retire this year? And then I would buy it. But I didn't actually have real retirement data available to me at the time. So it was a lot harder to pick winners at that point. We're spoiled today i think with, yeah, with what we
1: are but it's yeah. even easier so there's definitely no excuse to to to, st- to start with it uh yeah no excuse right, now, right
0: so the last thing i want to ask you is just really yeah. around um you know what is your plan going forward right can if you think about where you want to take your lego investing business um are you happy with your growth if you look back at the last five years and are you, you know, do you have any specific kind of thoughts in mind of the next five years? What you plan to create with your Lego investing business? Mm.
1: So I don't have a very specific goal in mind for the for the for the long future. To be fair, uh, to be honest, sorry. Um, I just love doing it, uh, and 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 I I just love the thing that just. I just love making stuff out of thin air right that's what an entrepreneur does so there's nothing uh, you hold there's no additional value you buy a set you hold it a year additional value holy crap why just because you took the time to do that specific data analysis and put it in a storage box that's that's fantastic so i'm i I, i'm wanting i'm tempted to say that i i will want to do this globally as well or at least grow my brand uh, uh stain bricks in uh in in the um in europe as well so that's definitely why i must i started those uh that youtube channel and that uh instagram uh, thing yep But to be fair I, I i'd rather just focus on people doing actually doing this as well at home it's just so fantastically easy it just baffles me sometimes uh whenever i uh yeah, whenever I hear, you, I still have some excuses or something, right? So, yeah. get out there, buy your first Speed Champion set for ten euros, and see what happens. Just uh, that's definitely what, the, what what my mission is.
0: I love it. Yeah, it baffles me too when I hear uh, <laughs> I hear concerns yeah. about this stuff. It's it's the greatest way I've ever seen of making money on the internet, of making money in general, is buying Lego sets yeah. and holding them while values go up, and it's a ton of fun. Um, it's been amazing to have you here. Uh, you did just mention your uh, your YouTube channel and your Instagram. So if anyone wants to learn more, uh, head over to Steam Bricks on Instagram and YouTube. Check out the content there. I know it's kind of a new venture for you. So I'm excited to see where you take things, learn a little bit more about your journey. Um, so thank you so much for being here. This was a ton of fun. I you know I love, love, love getting deeper into the weeds on Lego investing strategy, sourcing, how to pick great winners, market you know, the, the way the the market looks across different continents, it's, it's been a ton of fun. So thank you so much for being here, man. And I'll, uh, I'll catch up soon. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a ton of fun. Thanks. Thanks man. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five star rating. It really does help us to bring you amazing content. And if you want to learn more about building an income with Lego, check out brickbox.net or find us on YouTube at brickbox to learn about Lego investing.